Talking about friendship today. And aren't the lyrics of that song so profound? Just That song was written back when Betty was young. Just to... <laughs> Sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Some of you were teenagers and uh, others were... Well, you had kids, maybe. I don't know. I actually don't even know when the song was written. I just remember when I was a little kid, my mom, I would listen to my mom. She'd be baking bread, singing that song all the time. She just loved that song. My family loved it. And I just grew up loving that song. And I just think that the lyrics are so good, but it's something that our society is so far from, right? We are so far from just, hey, man, I'm going through something. I just need to call. I just need to call. You know what? My door's open. If you need something, just call. If, if I have a tool, if I have something that you need to borrow, swallow your pride. Come and borrow that tool. We're in this world where it's like, man, I don't want to lend my tools to any. We got everything under lock and safe. Everything's wrapped up. You know, and some of us have, we understand this principle, but our culture in general, we, we're, we are alone. We are alone. We, we do things alone. We do life alone. We, we are walking in that. And so I want to ask you guys something today. I want to ask you, and I want you to honestly answer this question throughout the week. You don't have to answer it right this second, but how strong is your support system? How strong is the group of people that you actually rely on and lean into and ask for help? And, and, or, and how, how are you doing that? You know, your relationships. How, how strong are your friendships? Do you have friends? It's an honest question that I think we need to answer and go through, okay? And I'm willing to bet in this room right now that there's about 50% of you that actually feel alone. You know, we can sit in a room this big, we can sit in this room surrounded by people and feel alone. It's crazy. It's crazy what our culture is doing right now and how people feel. And I'm not just pulling that number out of a hat. There's actually study after study after study after study that people are feeling alone. It's an epidemic, they say. It's an epidemic. Governments are placing ministers in, in, in their caucuses that are actually charged with figuring out the problem of why everyone in our society feels so alone. Governments are doing this. In the United Kingdom, it's actually an epidemic. They did a poll in nine million people said, I feel alone. You look online, university students are feeling alone. Senior citizens are feeling alone. People in marriages, one of the spouses, are feeling alone. It's up to 46%. Millennials are feeling alone. Baby boomers are feeling alone. It's crazy. It doesn't just apply to any certain group or any certain you know, gender. What it is, is people are feeling alone. It's crazy, and it's unbelievable. It's no secret that our culture is suffering right now from a loneliness epidemic. You can walk in nowadays to a room and see a group of people sitting together and they're not even looking, you're talking to each other, they're looking at their phone. Right? How many of us are guilty of doing that? You got people over to your house and suddenly your phone's going and you're, you're I just hang on, I'm just gonna, you know, and you're, you're not even engaged in a conversation. Oh, hang on, my game just let me know that I need to you know, plant my seeds for my farm and I just have to <laughs> hold on, I gotta, like, like, we're in this world where we're so engaged with self. How many of you are actually playing Farmville, to be honest? Just real quick. No? Madden? Anybody playing Madden? Hit me up, Father Samps. I'm on there. You can look me up. Anyway. <laughs> Studies are revealing that loneliness is affecting not only, guys, our emotional health, it's actually affecting our physical health. 
Do you know that there are insurance companies right now that are taking these surveys and polls because they want to know how to keep your money? And they want to know what's actually making us sick and what's actually, you know, keeping us from, from, you know, entering into health, right? And what they're finding is that loneliness and depression that comes from it, it causes suicide. Suicide rates shoot up when you're feeling lonely. Cardiovascular problems. People are walking in sleep deprivation. Depression. These are just some of the major concerns that happen from loneliness, from people suffering with loneliness. And, and I just think that that's crazy. I think that it's crazy, but it's real that it's going on. You know, we're, we're going through, uh, in our series, we're going through Acts On, is what Pastor Greg called the series, Acts On. And last week he talked about prayer, and we're going to be talking about Acts On Fellowship is one of the next things. But what that means is I'm preaching for the next two weeks, and this week I'm talking about what fellowship isn't. And then next week I'm going to talk about what fellowship really is and how God intended it, okay? Because we need to look at why we're so separated and why we're so alone. Okay, um, I, think it's, I think it's concerning. Do you guys think it's concerning that people are feeling this alone? I, I bet, and I'm not going to ask you to, but I bet if I asked people to be really honest in this room who's actually feeling lonely, that there'd be a lot of you who put your hands up. And, and I just believe God wants to minister to your heart today. Okay, is that fair? So to those of you who have been struggling with loneliness, I, God has a word for you right now. He has a word right now, this is for you, and that he sees your struggle, okay? He sees what you're going through, he knows your pain, he understands it, and he's here to help right now, you know? And for those of you who aren't feeling lonely, that's awesome, hallelujah, praise the Lord, I'm happy for you, but God also has a word for you. You're his solution to people who are feeling lonely right now, and he's asking you to partner with him, because whether you realize it or not, your neighbor the person sitting next to you, right? Maybe even your spouse without really even knowing it. Your kids, your friends, your coworkers, on and on. Somebody is lonely, and it's for real. It's, it's really happening right now. So we both have a word today. One word for those that are lonely, God wants to meet you right now. For those who aren't, you're the, you're the answer. Hallelujah, God is good. Lord, help us to see what you are trying to say to us in this moment, God. Help us, God. There are people in this room who really, really need to leave here with a friend today, God. They need to. And so I pray, Lord, that you just open the right doors today. Help us to see each other the way you see us, God. The potential in every single one of us, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Loneliness can affect anyone. It doesn't consider your education, your financial status, your age. And let me give you an example of that right out of the Bible. How many of you ever heard of the prophet Elijah with a J? J-A-H. Elijah. Elijah, in my opinion, is probably one of the coolest prophets that ever existed in the Old Testament, right? And that maybe just appeals to the man part of me and the stuff that this guy did. But Elijah was a man of great boldness and courage. When there was a problem, God would say, hey, go talk to that king over there. And Elijah would just like straighten his suit or whatever he wore, a cloak maybe. And he would walk right in there and he would give the word of the Lord to the kings. In a day when the king, if he didn't summon you in and cut your head off, right, Elijah just had the boldness and the courage to walk into situations like that. This guy performed miracles. 
Like, he did some pretty amazing things. This guy was phenomenal. I love the way he did life. Uh, he stood up against false gods. He stood up against a faulty world system. He wasn't afraid to actually attack and, and speak what was true and what was right in the day. When the enemy, the bully, is saying, do this, do this, do this, Elijah would be like, this is what the Lord says. Didn't matter. He stood up. He did amazing things. And, and I love that about him. He was a great man of faith, the Bible teaches us. But despite all of those things, all of these great things, and there's way more, you got to read his life to see just how awesome God used this guy. He fell into the trap of loneliness and depression. Right? We're talking, I mean, it doesn't matter what your job is. You can, you can be lonely. You know, a lot of people find themselves lonely because they just put their identity in their work and they, they leave everything else to the side. This is, one of the, this is one of the coolest guys, I'm telling you, church. This is one of the coolest guys who did some of the most amazing things and he fell into loneliness and depression. A guy who walked and heard from God. How is that even possible? How is a guy who walked so close to the Lord and did so many great things for the Lord, how is that even possible that he can fall into this loneliness and depression? I want to look at it, Okay. It says, after a stunning victory on Mount Carmel, now you guys got to hear, this is one of the coolest stories, I think, in the Bible. Maybe some of you think it's cool that a donkey talked or, you know, the other things, but this to me is cool. But Elijah is out, and God tells him, you know, he, he wants to reveal himself to Israel, but the people are worshiping false gods. They're worshiping the God, the God named Baal and a God named Asherah, right? And so there's this situation that goes down on Mount Carmel where 850 of these two God's prophets and prophetesses or whatever, they show up and it's the one guy. He's alone and guess who it is? Elijah. Okay, Elijah shows up on the scene and, and they're having this thing about, you know, let's find out whose God is really God. Let's find out who the real true God is, the one who moves, the one who breathes, the one who talks to us, the one who cares for us, the one who loves us. Let's figure it out. And, and so Elijah's calling these prophets out. He's like, if it's your God, this is what we're going to do. We're going to set up an altar right here and you guys do what you have to do. Call down fire on that altar and whatever God sends fire to consume this altar that we build, that's the real God. And, and like, what a neat challenge, hey? Like, it's just like, oh, wow, what a weird, you know, we're going to call fire from heaven. Like, what a great movie. We should get tickets for that, right? Like, there is a showdown going on. This is not like, this is better than Star Wars, okay? Real fire is going to fall from the sky and consume something right in front of your eyes, right? You get your popcorn, you get your candy, you know, I, I could see Kent and Denise sneaking their stuff into the show, right? They're, right? Licorice, you know, whatever salted fish, whatever they were doing back then, right? They're getting in there, getting their seats, right? And so what happens, these prophets, they start, you know, they're doing their things, they're cutting themselves, they're calling, you know, all these things from heaven, they're just like, nothing is happening. And Elijah just starts mocking them, you know, oh, your gods are sleeping, like what, they couldn't get up this morning, what's wrong? Like he's mocking them, Right? calling them out, just saying, you know, like, whatever. And so they go, for, they go for an extended amount of time. They're screaming, they're stomping their feet, they're doing everything, and just, like, just birds are twirling. You know, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. And Elijah's like, enough of this. It's my turn. And you know what he does? I wish I could do this, but they'll probably get mad at me. He sets up the altar. He takes buckets of water, and he pours buckets of water on the altar. And he soaks the thing. Now, how many of you ever been in the woods and you need to start a fire? What do you not use? <laughs> wet wood, right? Anybody? They sell it to you at every provincial park, though. They sell you <laughs> wet wood. 
let's, let's find out who the real survivor man is. Okay. So they get, they get this. He soaks this wood. And guess what happens? Calls down fire. And guess who shows up on the scene? Anybody want to guess? It was God, right? Yeah. Some of you aren't sure. Was it God? I don't know. It was God, okay? It was God. He has this stunning victory. He actually, the people are like, oh my goodness, God is real. Like, surprise, ding, ding, ding. It's like a common thing in the Old Testament. They forget, they remember, they forget, they remember. Back and forth, you know. But, but it's amazing to see what happens after this because he has these 850 prophets. He's like, these guys, they're just liars, thieves. They're out to murder, kill, and rob from us. They're done. Kill them all. Wipe them out. They're, they're evil. And so they kill all these 850 prophets. And this queen named Jezebel finds out about it. And she is angry. These are her peeps. These are, these are the gods that she serves. She's like, you know what? I want him dead. I want his head on a plate. I want him dead by the end of the day. 24 hours, that guy's dead. And she sends a threat to Elijah. And guess what happens? Elijah calls down more fire. The kingdom goes up in flames, right? No, he gets scared. Now, does this story make any sense? I'm asking you honestly. Guy just called down fire from heaven because he walks in such a close relationship with the Lord, consumes the altar, boom, gone. Nothing left. The water's gone. The stones are, you got to read the story for yourself. Has all these people killed, and then one lady says, I want that guy dead. And he takes off terrified. Listen to this. Listen to what 1 Kings 19 verse 3 says. It says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. What? I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. This is like the craziest turn of events in a story. Like, talk about going from cl- like super amazing climatic to I hate everything. I, I give up. I want to die. Like, how many of you go there in your lives, though? Thank goodness that this story is here. We get to these places in our hearts. We get to these places in our lives when things seem overwhelming. But I just think this is crazy, though. I think it's nuts. You know, how many of you guys, you know, let me pause for a second. How many of you guys watch tennis? Anybody, ten, any tennis fans? There's three of you in this room. How many of you read news and have read something about tennis once in your life? Okay. <laughs> Pastor Luke's not here, um, but he is a tennis player. He loves tennis. He's always talking about tennis, and I pretend I'm listening. So... I'm not a huge tennis fan, but listen, I heard this thing about a tennis player named Serena Williams. And for, just so those of you who don't know, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of fans in the room, Serena Williams is probably, and is, I think, probably the best female tennis player who's ever lived and is still playing right now, okay? And, And I don't know if you know what happened, but a few weeks ago in a championship round, she got three penalties given to her, which cost her to lose the match, which cost her the championship, okay? So I'm not here to say if I'm on her side or the judge's side because I really don't know enough about tennis to understand, but there's a point that came out of me watching tennis that I just want to use in my sermon today, okay? She got a penalty because the referee accused her of getting coaching during the match. She was getting coached. Now, in tennis, those of you who don't know, 
when you step onto that court, you're alone. You are not allowed to talk to your coach. You're not allowed to, you know, get any sort of help whatsoever that way. You literally are out there on your own. It's, it's crazy. Every other sport that I can think of, you know, football, soccer, hockey, right? You go through the, the names, and, and it's just like you get coached throughout. You have teammates helping you, giving you advice, pointers. Hey, did you see what that guy's doing? Maybe do try this, you know? Most things in the world, you have someone that you can talk to. Tennis is nuts, You're not allowed to do that. Like, that's crazy. You go out there and you stand alone. You have to encourage yourself when things get tough. You have to read your opponent and figure out what you're going to, like, do, how you're going to respond, right? You have to actually, like, everything about it, you're on your own. It's crazy. I just think that's nuts, right? You, You have to make your own adjustments. You have to correct yourself. And I think that we actually live in a culture right now that actually has taken on the mindset of tennis that we are alone in everything we do. We have people that are walking and thinking that there is no one to help me. There is no one to to correct me. I won't listen to anyone for correction, right? There is no one to encourage me. There is no one to point out where I'm going wrong. We have this mindset, we've entered into this tennis mindset that we're doing this alone. We're fighting the enemy alone, we're going through life alone, and and I think that's crazy. Because what happens when you get drained and you're tired and there's nothing left? You get to the place that Elijah's at. He's been doing ministry alone. He's been walking alone. He's been doing this alone. He's been doing it with the Lord. But he has no one outside of himself to encourage himself. No one outside of himself to help him through when things, you know, to correct yourself, to correct the things that you need to adjust, right? You know, I shared at prayer night on Wednesday, and if you haven't come to the prayer night yet, you should check it out. We had like over 30 people there praying and seeking God. It was really beautiful. It was a really awesome time of worship and prayer, and I just want to invite you to that, but at prayer, I, I just shared, you know, I, I spent a couple days with my dad last week out, out in the woods, and I was just sharing with him some of my frustrations and fears and, you know, joys, and just sharing life with my dad. He's one of the only people that I can, I feel like I can be fully real with, and, you know, he just was challenging me on some of the ways that I think, you know, change, you know, he was coaching me, and just like, Matt, have you looked at this side of the equation? And I was like, oh, no, Dad, I didn't. You're so wise, right? Like, really, I just want him to hear what I think, right? But it was interesting. Like, he was there changing, teaching me, right? I'm not alone in the fight. It's a mental mode that a lot of people are going through, right? When trouble hits, we have this mindset that nobody needs to know that I'm going through something hard. I know that there are people in this church that you do that. When you go through something, you don't tell anybody because it's, it's my responsibility, it's my job to fix this. I don't need any help, I can do this. Maybe it's not even a pride, maybe you don't want to be a burden to other people. Maybe you just think that, you know, I, I just, this is mine to carry, right? We have people in the church that, that think and feel that way right now. And, and I, I'm one of them, I'm not going to lie, I get that way at times, right? We're not meant to live like this though, we're not. God said right from the beginning, it is not good for man to be alone. You think that's a strange statement? That's right out of Genesis. That's right in the beginning. When God created man to be with him, and then he says it's not good for man to be alone. It seems like such a strange thought, right? Because God knows that we need something more than just a relationship with him. It seems strange to think that, but 
God created Adam to be in full relationship with him and then said, it is not good for man to be alone. We have, to, we have to just let that sit in, okay? Let that sink in for a minute. I think we need to, instead of tennis players, we actually need to get a mindset like a boxer or, or like an MMA. Do any of you guys like boxing or MMA? There's a few of you maybe. Or, but you understand, you guys have seen boxing or MMA. You understand it's fighting, punching. <laughs> Daniel, come up here. Let's put me in an arm bar and show people what we're, no? Okay. Don, where's Don? You guys know Don. Don put me in a chokehold one day at a football game while I was eating pepperoni. I had no idea it was coming. And I started choking on the pepperoni and almost died. And I don't watch MMA. And I didn't know what to do. And I was dying. And Don almost killed me. So thank God he didn't. But, but then, then I got some coaching. And I said, all right, Don. After I started breathing again, there was a couple minutes where I wasn't. When I got the pepperoni out and started breathing again, then Don and I fought, and my coach walked me through, and I almost ripped Don's arm off. So it was awesome. But anyway, we need to be like boxers. We need to be like fighters. You know, there are moments in our lives where we do have to fight alone, right? We will. It's just reality. There are moments. Jesus had to do it in the Garden of Gethsemane. There's moments when you are just going to be alone, and you have to fight. But the beauty of it is, is that, you know, like a boxer or a fighter, they go out, they do their fighting, but then what do they do? The round ends, they go back to their corner, what happens? Doctor stitches them up, coach is saying, hey, watch out for that left hook, what, right? You know, teaching them the water, guy spraying them with water, they always spraying them with water. And, and it's just, you, you got your crew, you got your squad, you got your people that are with you, right? And that's just the way life was meant to be. We actually need to be more like that. You know, go get stitched up when we need to go, go to the people that we need around us, go get filled up, go get refreshed. That's what we need to live life like, not like a tennis player. Don't do that. Live like a boxer, okay? Live like a fighter. So let me ask you, who are you going through life with? Who's in your corner? Who you got fighting with you right now? Who's helping you right now? Who's with you? Who can you say, I know, I look at that person, I know they're for me and not against me, right? I know that they pray for me. I know that they're covering me. If I ever needed something, if I ever needed a hand, I could ask them for help, right? Or do you find yourself like Elijah found himself doing it alone, right? Are you surrounding yourself with the right people? We're going to look at that more next week, but, you know, you can be surrounded with a group of people. You could have your squad, but it's the wrong squad. It's the wrong people focused on the wrong things, not helping you get to where God's called you to be. Then there's the people, oh, it's just me and Jesus. All I need is Jesus. And they sit at home, and they watch their videos, and they, listen, I'm, I'm not saying that God isn't all you need. We sing it all the time. I fully believe it. God is everything we need. He meets every need. But I want you to think for a second. Why did God say that to Adam at the beginning? And have you ever noticed how God ministers to you through the relationships and people around you? When you need an encouraging word, someone comes and gives it to you. When you need help and a friend offers their help, when you need wisdom and you go and ask people around you in the church, what do you think about this? And they give you that wisdom. God moves and answers our needs so powerfully through the people around us, through the relationships that we're in. And again, we're not meant to be alone. One thing I loved about running a care group uh, is that, you know, I'd get encouragement from the people in the group. They would come and they would encourage us all the time, right? And we would get wisdom. I, I sometimes, sometimes I would just have a friend just to listen to me talk. You know, 
share a story and they didn't have to one-up me and compete with me that their deer was bigger than my deer or, you know, that they feel worse than I feel, right? You know, sometimes they just listened. Being in a care group is, is so powerful and I want to encourage you to try to join one of the amazing care groups, you know. There, there's divorce care out there. There's blended family care groups. There's, you know, young family care groups. There's any kind of care group that you need out there. Learning how to walk in financial freedom. Go join one of those groups. You know, sometimes just being in a group of people was great because they'd bring food over, which was great. And then they would leave it when they left. <laughs> Practical, right? You're alone, you're heating up dumplings or something. I don't know, but fried food, McDonald's, which we're getting in Mormonville. I don't know if you know that, but anyway. Okay, moving on. <clears throat> Friendship is a beautiful gift from God. And you can have it. Everyone in this room can have friendship to a greater level than they're walking in right now, okay? You know, friendships are messy. Anybody figured that out yet? Figured out that friendship can actually be messy sometimes? But I want to tell you it's worth fighting for. You know, to actually have friends and people around you, it's worth fighting for that stuff. And we'll talk more again about that next week, okay? Let's get back to Elijah, though. What happened? What did God do through Elijah's season of depression and loneliness? Because for some of you, you need to know where to even start. It's like, yeah, it's great. I know. Get a group of friends. I know. But how do you do that? I've been walking alone forever. I feel alone. I've been doing this, you know, and that, it's, it's real. And I want to I just point out this. Elijah was real with God. I think it's amazing, you guys, how God will answer a real prayer. When you can be honest with him and just share whatever is going on in your life. Did you know that? You can just say, God, life sucks right now. And he will answer it. And, and, and people who say, oh, no, you don't ever, don't confess that negative stuff, they're not reading the Bible. You know, you look through the Psalms, and David would start off like, God, I hate life right now. There's people trying to kill me everywhere, and this sucks really bad. And then as he prayed, and as he was real with God, you could see the shift in his heart. Right? It'd be great to get to the point where only positive things only come out of your heart. But you've got to start in that real place, and God's not afraid to go there with you. God is not ashamed of that place. God is not scared to touch the real things in your heart. Okay? So let me, let me get you this. After Elijah, we just read, he prayed for his death... You know, we see God do something incredible. He grants Eliza's wish and strikes him dead, right? Wouldn't that be a horrible ending to that story? But aren't you glad that God is patient with us sometimes? Like, God, I don't want to be with this wife anymore. And he just, like, you would, that, that's not what you're really saying. And that's not what Elijah was really saying, right? And don't read into that. I love my wife. I'm not saying anything, Okay. What does God do when Elijah prays and says, God, I'd be better off dead. I don't want to live anymore. He sends an angel to feed and comfort him. Twice. He wakes, he wakes Elijah up and, and Elijah looks and there's a fire burning and there's fresh bread and the angel says, eat and drink. And he does and then he goes back to sleep. He's still stuck in the depression. He's still stuck in the loneliness. Goes back to sleep. He, angel wakes him up later, eat and drink. I'm so glad God doesn't answer us right where we're at sometimes. God sees the full picture of our life. He sees past the moment of pain and hurt and loneliness that you're in right now, and he sees the future and what you're called to do and the people that you're called to do it with. He sees it, 
And if you trust him, he'll, he'll lead you into it, okay? I, I love this. He meets with Elijah and he says this. The word of the Lord came to him and God asked him a question. What are you doing here, Elijah? And maybe I read that too harsh. Let me change my tone. What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, verse 10, says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. God will always ask you a question to reveal what's really going on in your heart. Right? And the realness of Elijah's heart is this. I'm the only one left. I'm alone. I'm alone. And this sucks. They're trying to kill me now too. And I'm alone and I can't bear this anymore. And that's what, he's, that's what God is looking for. I'm alone. And he gets to that point, right? And there's people, you know, Amy prayed it earlier. There's people here today who are feeling that prayer. That I'm alone and I can't bear this anymore. And God wants to meet you today, okay? He wants to heal you. Lord said, go out, stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he repeats again, word for word, verbatim, I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. And this is what the Lord responds. He said to him, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Maholah, to succeed you as prophet. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Thanks, God. You ever had God answer you and you were like, I have no idea what you're talking about. God, I want to die. I'm alone and they want to kill me. Okay, go back the way you came and here's your new job. (laughs) Anoint this king, anoint that king, and here's the guy who's going to succeed you. I would be like, oh my goodness, God hates me too. He's granting me my wish. You know, I I, want to break out a few things from that scripture real quick. I think we do need to realize, number one, or number two, I don't know how it shows up, but that God is always with you. God's always with you. You know, I, I love this. Pastor Rick was sharing a few weeks ago with me about a revelation he'd heard another, another preacher sharing about. I don't know the, the guy's name or girl's name, but he said, the, the pastor said, you ever wondered why God had to whisper? And I, I thought, and I sat there, and I was trying to come up with some cool scholarly answer, but I was just like, I don't know. 
And, and Rick, Pastor Rick said, it's because God is always so close that if he actually spoke even in a, a rip your head right off, right? Like, he, ha- he whispers to us. Wh- whisper speaks of intimacy, a closeness. You know, I, I think it's amazing. All these things going on, the, the wind is ripping the rocks apart. There's an earthquake, right? There's all these crazy things going around, and, and that could be your life. There's so much craziness going around in your life. And, and whatever that looks like, the, you know, the fire and the earthquake and the wind, and, and everything's falling apart, and God is there in a whisper saying, I'm right here with you in this. I'm right here with you. I, I, I just love that thought. That God is so personal with us that even when we walk through these crazy situations or when we see them happening in our lives, we're not alone. We never were and we never will be, right? You know, Jesus suffered on the cross being separated from God the Father. He suffered, you know, that forsaking so that we would never have to. Jesus knew what it was to be separated from the Father so that we would never have to enter into that. You guys understand. That was one of the things that Jesus did. That was the punishment. He understood what eternal separation was from the Father, to not be in his Father's presence with that death on the cross. And thank God for the resurrection and the the coming back and, and Jesus taking our punishment so that we and no one in this world, if they would ask Jesus into their heart, would ever have to experience that. Because it is the worst thing that could ever happen to you. I love that he restores Elijah with gentleness and patience. You know, secondly, the Lord resets his direction. You know, God in his infinite wisdom sends Elijah back out to work, but this time he doesn't send him alone. He says, go and get Elisha and anoint him prophet to succeed you. But what happens is, Elijah leaves that place, and the first thing he does, he doesn't go straight back to work. The first thing he does is he goes and finds Elisha, and he throws his cloak over him, and, and he says, you're with me now. And the scripture ends in, in 1 Kings 19. You need to read it. The scripture ends that Elisha became Elijah's right-hand man. He had a friend. He had a bro. He had a squad. There's two. two. You get two people, you got a squad, I think. Maybe you need three. I'm not sure. But anyway, it doesn't matter. God knew. God knew what Elijah needed. He didn't need to die. He didn't need to give up. He, didn't need, he needed a friend. He needed someone to encourage him, someone to walk with him, someone to pour his life into, someone to share his life with, his feelings with, right? He needed, you know, he had servants, but that's different. You know, we all have relationships where we have people, but they're not real people. You don't be real with them. We need real relationships. You know, Elijah and Elisha is one of five amazing relationships recorded in the Bible, and, and we'll talk a little bit maybe more about that next week too. You know, he still had a purpose. He still had more encounters to have, but he wasn't going to do it alone. He was going to do it with a friendship now, right? And I just love that. No longer alone. I've heard it said that when God wants to bless you, he will send you a friend. Some of you just need to ask God to send you a friend. And recognize that it might not be the person that you are hoping for. It might not look the way you want it to look. It's amazing how God puts people together. It's, it's pretty cool. Who has God put in your life to be a blessing to you? And whose life did God put you into to be a blessing to them? You know, I'm going to talk lastly, just uh, last thoughts here. But, you know, I don't think 
that it's, people who know me know that I, I tend to struggle with, with this, with loneliness. I'm probably the, the worst pastor to preach on this subject, to be honest, because I'm probably, maybe, I don't know, I might be the loneliest pastor <laughs> because of my own struggles with, with this stuff. And when, I, when Pastor Greg told me, you know, the, the series, I was like, oh, no. Um because I saw my name fall on the, on the fellowship part, and I thought, I, I'm still growing in this area, God. I, you should probably get Pastor Greg to preach that one. He's great at this. They have people over to their house all the time, and they, you know, they're, they're good. At, he's got friends. And Anyway, I, I think that the road that we find ourselves to, to become lonely is different for every single person. You know, from our past experiences, from... You know, are, are we an introvert? Are we an ex- Some of us are introverts and we just love to be alone. That's how we recharge. But we don't stay alone, right? You're not meant to. You know, um, but God, you know, uh, made me look at just a couple places that I go to, to be lonely. Oh, I'm the worst. For, I'm also probably the biggest crybaby pastor in the church, too. <laughs> I'm like you, Doug. You cry every time you pray too, so we're the same, okay? So thankful for what God does in my life, amen? So there's two places that I, that I go, and maybe you guys can relate to this and when we find ourselves lonely. But one of the first things I do is, is I, I compose or I, I fake fine, right? How many of you put a smile on when things aren't good, right? You come, how you doing? I'm good. No, I'm not good, right? You know, Bernice gave me a book about a year and a half ago. No more faking fine. I said, well, who's this dumb book for? Thanks, Bernice. Like, oh, it was for me. (laughs) Thanks, God. Right? But we fake. We pretend everything's okay. And what we really need is someone just to hold us. Right? (laughs) No, I'm, I'm joking about that. But maybe you do need a hug, right? We come to church. We act like everything's great. But our worlds are falling apart. Our marriage is falling apart. Our kids are suffering. Things at work aren't good. And when people come and are trying to be real with us and trying to minister to our hearts and be open, we have this wall up. And we don't let people in. We don't let people know. And now I'm not saying we need to let everybody know. But there are people that you're meant to walk through life with. There are people that have wisdom for you and have encouragement for you. And, but they can never help you if you don't let somebody in. And so you've got to, got to come to that place where you, you, you let God kick the wall down. Maybe you take a step and you take the first kick and let him, him do that, right? You know, if, if, you ever, if you never let anyone to your lives, how can anyone ever help you? So don't compose. Let's be real with each other. Now, you don't want to be the guy when someone walks up and, hey, how you doing? And your first word is, I want to commit suicide to everyone. You need to talk real. Go find people that you can be real about that with, you know? Some people, don't be offended when, when you go up to them in the lobby and say, how you doing? And that you say, not good, and they don't really hear you and keep walking. Don't be offended. They were just trying to say hello. Most people in our culture, we don't really know how to actually sit and look someone in the eyes and ask them how they're really doing anymore. We don't know how to do it. We need to relearn that as a culture. And, and again, some stuff for next week. But be, maybe you need to be the change there. 
Maybe you need to go up to someone today say, how are you doing? And actually with the intent of listening to what they say. I don't know. Just put it out there. The other thing I do is I just check out completely. And I've done that lots. When I feel overwhelmed or when I feel like someone's taking advantage of me usually or, or hurt, I'll just check out and just stop talking and stop. And I just, that's where I'll go. And I'm not saying it's healthy. I'm saying this is some of the stuff, you know, I'll check out and then I'm at home wondering why I'm lonely. But it's, it's my own stuff that I'm doing. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You go through it too. Now, I'm not saying I walk in this constantly, but I'm saying when I find myself in those places, those are usually a couple of things that I'm doing. When I really need to be having an honest conversation or I really need to, to go to someone and, and just be honest and say, hey, I could use some help right now. I could use a hand. I've got to swallow my pride. Go ask someone for, for a hand. Go ask someone for a wise word, for a prayer, right? Pride wants you to stay alone rather than ever ask anyone to help. You know, the enemy doesn't help any either because he wants us to hide our problems. Like, like sharing our problems with each other makes us look weak. You know, how many of you just feel that way? If I share it, people are going to think less of me. Who cares? If they're really your friends, if they're really people who love you, they're not going to think any less of you because they're going through something too. You know, we, we don't have to put up this fake... You hear what I'm saying, right? Sometimes I feel like Elijah. God, they've all turned on me, all my friends. Right? All the people. And, and it's just wrong. God reminded Elijah, lastly, the last thought there was that, you know, Elijah, you're actually not alone, and you need to change your mindset. Something you need to do is recognize that there's 7,000 other people right in this area that have not bowed their knee to Baal yet. And you just got to realize that you're not alone in this. I got more people, Elijah, just so you know. I'm with you. I'm, and there's people for you that are just like you and love me just like you do, right? So we're gonna, I'm going to end that sermon there. And next week we're going to look into your homework for next week, if you want homework, is Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. We're going to talk about what real fellowship is, what real friendship is, and how to find it how to get it for our lives, you know. The other homework you have today is find someone in the room and invite them out for coffee. Invite them out for lunch before they run out the door. Find them. Chase them into the parking lot if you have to. But let me pray for you guys because I believe that God really does want to heal and to, to set some people free this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If there, I just, I feel the Holy Spirit saying this this morning. If there's someone here that's feeling alone and it's been tough, Spirit just wants you to oh, I feel like stand up and let the people around you just pray with you let the people who aren't feeling that way just come around you and support you and this is one of those moments where God
God wants to just speak to your heart and set you free and let you know that you're not alone and you don't have to be alone from this moment forward. There are people in this room who will be your friend. There are people here who will love for you and care for you and walk with you and be with you and read the gospel with you, bring you wisdom, share food with you. There are people who want to live life with you. So I want to ask you, if you're here today and and this has been a real struggle, I want you in the boldness and and the courage that Elijah had, I want you to stand up and let people pray with you. Even if it's one person. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Don't be afraid in this moment. You're you're safe here. Don't be afraid. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else before I ask the church to shift around? If you are that person, would join with all these been so bold to stand up and allow God to heal their heart. Just please stand in this moment and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to your heart. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Let's just, I want to pray for a moment and then I'm going to ask the church to gather around these people standing and love them today the way God would love them. Father, thank you for the honesty in this moment of people who have been broken and hurt, God, and are walking and feeling alone for whatever reason that is, God. Today is a day of change. Today is a day where you find family. Today is a day where you find hope. Today is a day where you find the friendship that you need. And God is gonna set you on a path that is gonna be full of life and joy and peace and goodness and kindness. I'm gonna ask you, church family, go and grab one of these people. Lay your hands on them and pray God's love over them. I I want everyone to just start and if you can't get close to them, then just reach your hands out and start praying for some of these people around you. Let's just be real in this moment and cover these people and let them know how much they are loved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus.